magic players welcome to the most shall we say irreverent podcast on the internet irreverent will do yeah <laughs> do you think that's fair I is think that that's is fair that, is that the word it's, it's one of definitely the words I, a word <laughs> it's one of the words i can think of yeah. but i won't go through the others um my name is kirsty i'm one of your hosts and i'm joined by casey hi casey tell me something interesting about your week uh i got very drunk on saturday night smashing and Excellent. walked home in bare feet uh, how far along how far along well how far how far did you walk oh um not too far maybe half a mile well, that's not so bad i had visions of you walking like from the center of town to the outskirts or something no 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 i live in basically the center of town so oh that's not so bad okay i was <laughs> slightly concerned and then you went home and spilled thomas all over your dress I did spill hummus all over my dress. Yeah. Are you distraught? Uh, well, hummus no. is easy. Hummus is... Yeah. I'm just going to put it in the yeah. washing machine and yeah. it'll be fine. You seemed really upset. You were posting about it on Twitter. Oh, I, I was upset was. at the time. I was more upset that I had lost the hummus than that the hummus was <laughs> on the dress. Fair enough. That's like the healthiest post-night out snack I think I've ever heard of. What, pizza and hummus? Yeah. Oh, really is that or an entire quiche? <laughs> I would have gone for that. Normally I had the quiche I come... for lunch the next day. Normally when I come home from an night, I just open the fridge and blindly eat. Well, or that's the freezer, what I did. Or the freezer, <laughs> normally. I once went on a night out and um, I think it was an open bar. Which of course was dangerous. That's very dangerous in so, Scotland. So it was great. It was great. I went to this open bar and I got, I got I drank so much gin, um, and then I went home and I made myself a whole pizza, and I carried the pizza through to the living room when it was done, and I put it down on my couch, and I was like, oh god, I've I've not brought anything to cut this pizza up with, and I didn't really fancy rolling it up into some sort of like massive pizza Swiss roll. Uh-huh. So I went back through, got I think a knife and fork, and I came down, came back, sat down, and I was like. Where's my pizza gone? Oh no! Oh, <laughs> Where's, no. My... <laughs> Where's my pizza gone? Did you sit on the pizza? I sat on the pizza. I was like, my pizza's disappeared, and my thighs are unreasonably warm. <laughs> There's a link to be made here somewhere. I like stood up, realised I'd sat on the pizza, went and got a towel. Rather than sitting at the table, I went and got a towel out the kitchen, just put it down, sat on the towel, and ate the pizza. But at least the pizza didn't go to waste. No, I've got no, I'm not wasting a whole pizza. No. What animal do you take me for? Someone that sits on a pizza. <laughs> I was I'd had a, a gin at an open bar, it's not my fault. The next day I had to um I had to go with one of my friends to the one of the museums in Edinburgh with her rainbow guides. Is that what mm-hmm. they're called? Her rainbow guide uh, group that she volunteered with and they needed an extra adult to to sort of match the adult child ratio or something. And she said, Will you come to the museum? And I was like, Yes, fine. I mean, they're only like what, six or seven or something. It's like yeah. seems seems okay, uh, and I I didn't really think about the implications of taking a, a group of six and seven year olds on the train to a museum in Edinburgh the day after I'd been to a night out with an open bar. <laughs> it was um, definitely I'm sure it was an experience. Uh, it was an experience, and it, it it's basically proven that in the future, if I choose to have children, then I'm I'm uh, there's nothing that can phase me now. Having taken multiple six-year-olds to a museum while hungover, I feel like it's good training. Drink responsibly. Drink responsibly, yes. Yeah. Don't don't be like us. Drink responsibly. <laughs> Definitely don't be like us. I'm, I'm not even telling some of the stories that I could tell. 
Anyway, moving on from uh, alcohol, which is difficult to do as Scots. Uh, this this is kind of a mythic championship themed episode. Yeah. Because we're going to talk about the mythic championship. Casey's going to get angry about something that happened during the mythic championship. And then we're going to talk about that thing that happened during the mythic championship. Uh, and then we may have a mythic championship themed shite or delight at the end. We'll oh, yes. see. We'll see. Oh, yes. We'll see. Sounds delightful. It's going to be. D- <laughs> I hope it's not shiteful. <laughs> is that even a word? <laughs> yes, it is now. Okay. I have an English degree, I can make words up. That, that's how it works. That's exactly how it works. So, the Mythic Championship was this past weekend, Mythic Championship 3. Yes. In, in Vegas. Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Did you, did you watch it at all? Bits of it. I didn't yeah. watch the whole thing. That's the thing fair. with Mythic Championships is that they're long. There's a yeah. lot of them. And if they're in uh, time zones on the other side of the US, yeah. they tend to finish quite late. How many hours behind us is Vegas? Is it six or seven? Uh, I want to say, say seven. I think it's seven. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it right now because I I want to say it's um, Mountain Time, which is the weird one I always forget that exists. Uh, Sorry to anyone that lives in Mountain Time who's listening to this, but you have a weird time zone. I mean, it's true. Time zone is Las Vegas because I know Arizona's Mountain. Time. Las Vegas is currently eight hours behind us. Really. It is 12.05 in Las Vegas, and it is 8.05 here. Oh, no, it's in Pacific time. Okay, well, there you go. The more you know. So it was eight hours behind, so it started at at, uh, 4 or 5 p.m. here, and then went on until the small hours of the morning. Yeah. So that makes sense. I don't think I... I watched bits of it, and then didn't watch the the sort of later night bits. Mm -hmm. What did you think of the coverage? I actually I think we should do like a really hot, enjoyed the coverage. We should do like hots and knots yeah. of the Mythic Championship coverage. Because I have I have some things. I have some things. I have one thing that I didn't like. And I have some things that I did like. Okay. So do you want to start with the things that we did like or the things that we didn't? Let's start with the things that we did like. Okay. I, I really liked the coverage teams. Yes. Excellent. I thought they were great. Phenomenal. Yeah. So they've got basically some of the, the biggest names in, in Magic coverage. Like They've managed to get Cedric Phillips, yeah, who's great. They've got Maria Bartholdi, who's great. They've got Day9, who seems good. They've got... Um, I say seems good. He is good. Yeah. <laughs> it was an unfortunate slip of the tongue. Uh, Marshall Sutcliffe, Paul Cheon, Alias V, who's great, by the way. She is great. Love Alias V. And it's, it's nice that they've got sort of a... The, They've got sort of a pretty even. Well, it's not. It's not quite even, but it's pretty close to being even. Split of men and women doing coverage. You forgot Becca Scott. I did forget Becca Scott. Yes, she was great too. Yeah, I thought all the the coverage team were really good. I thought the Falcon event host type roles like Maria, Day Nine, and Becca were all good in those roles, and the people that were on commentary were superb. Um, yeah, we know Cedric's good. We know how good Cedric is from his work on the Star City Games circuit. He's an excellent commentator. We know Marshall's good from the work he's done on Grand Prix, Pro Tours, and so on in the past. They're both great. Paul Cheon and Alias V are a bit newer to 
magic commentary. Like, Paul's obviously got more experience than Alias V does, but they're both good. I think Alias has... I don't know if she prefers Alias or Alias V. I don't know how to shorten that. I don't know. I heard both yeah. used over the weekend. Um, She's obviously a bit more inexperienced than the other folk that are doing commentary, but she's taken to it really well. She has improved over the commentary she did at the Mythic Invitational, and I think she'll be great going forward. Yeah, like you wouldn't, if you didn't know, I don't think you'd be able to tell that she was sort of the, the newest, as it were, member of the commentary team. No, definitely not. I don't know when she not. started, I don't know when Alias V started playing, but yeah, I think she did a super good job. Mm-hmm. And she, she paired up really well with Cedric as well. Yeah, she did. They were a great sort of double act. Yeah. Uh, my 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 next hot, as it were, is is sort of related to the the. It's not directly related to the Mythic Championship. It's just something that I I picked up on and appreciated. How okay. good was the the coverage team fashion game? Oh, it was top notch. <laughs> it was so they all looked great. Phenomenal. I spent the whole thing, like the whole time I was watching the coverage, I was just sitting there feeling like a bin bag full of bananas. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I need to go shopping. <laughs> They're all so cool. I know. Like, there was know. one dress, like, I, I don't I don't want to make this like we're, let's just talk about appearances of the coverage team, but there was one dress Alias V was wearing, and like, I, I've never wanted to sort of telepathically will an item of clothing onto my own body quite so much. <laughs> It was just so good. <laughs> Is that weird? Um, I, I don't know. Do you never get? Do you never like what? Like you see somebody wearing something, and you just kind of like not remove it from them because that's creepy. But do you never see somebody wearing something, and kind of wish that you could just control see it onto your own body. I mean. I guess, but I've never, I've never thought of it as telepathically willing it onto my body. Oh uh, yeah, but I mean, what else would you call it? Uh, I don't know. That you just kind of want to like control C, control V, and suddenly you're wearing it. Sure. Do you know where's a great place to do that? Where? In the uh, if you go to a, the theater to see a musical or something, and you're in the line for the bathroom at, at the interval. Right. I've been to like three musicals I think this year so far and let me tell you that is the best opportunity to look at other people's clothes I like it and I know it sounds a bit creepy but I swear you'll never see a better selection of outfits that you mentally add to a shopping list than in the line for the toilets at a theatre it's a bit niche other than other than watching the coverage of Mythic Championships other than watching the coverage of Mythic Championships yeah, when's the next Mythic Championship? it's Barcelona, is it the end of the next yeah, one? it's pretty soon, it's pretty soon. Um, let's check you entertain the listeners while I look this up oh god, that's pressure um, oh. god, I'm trying to think of anything stupid that's happened to me that I can tell a story about but I, I, I've had a re- relatively normal week which is fairly disappointing I did play Modern for the first time uh, on Friday. The first time in, like, months. Well, that's years. cool. The third time ever. Played Green, White, Death and Taxes. It was pretty good fun. Mythic Championship 4 is the 26th to the 28th of July. So okay. it's just about a month away. Nice. So that'll be the next opportunity to play a Magic the Fashioning. Yes. Can't wait. Yeah, um, and it's Modern and Modern Horizons Booster Draft. Oh. So let's hope that they listened to 
last week's podcast. Where Dan goes through. So they can follow Dan's advice. Yeah, Dan's favourite commons and uncommons. Yeah. We can. I mean, we can really say anything we want about Dan because as we established, he's last not going to be listening. He's not going to. He's not going to listen to it. What a guy. Uh something else I liked about the Mythic Championship coverage was just the fact that it was so like bushy and glam and pyro It was really esports, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like every time <laughs> so every, every feature match they had uh, the players and like Becca Scott would announce the players in. Yeah. And give them like a wee introduction and they'd walk on to a round of applause and a big shooty spark fire things in the background before they sat down. It was really cool. And I kind of want them to do that for the like, pay. I know that it's not going to happen because they do paper Mythic Championships now in the same venues as GPs. Yeah. And I guarantee you, having been to one in London recently, there's absolutely no way they're going to have like pyro and stuff like that going off in the It'd background. It'd be great, though. It'd be great. It'd be so good. But I think like, we don't want a repeat of... Um, was it GP Prague where like the vend the catering van exploded or something and they had to evacuate the whole venue? Oh, I think so. I think so. It was Liz's fault. Yeah, <laughs> Liz, we love you, but it was your fault. I think actually, uh, Dan went to that one, and Dan has a bit of a reputation for being kind of clumsy. Yeah. So I was at work and I was like watching the sort of hashtag for updates, and um, and it basically started saying something's caught fire, something's exploded. And I, I just, I remember messaging Dan and going, what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? But yeah, I really like the, especially because this is meant to be like the big event, you know, the Mythic yeah. Championship is the one they try to big up. And I can understand why they've done it for, well, the two reasons they've done it for the arena one is partly because it's, it's because it's esports, they can kind of get their own, ex, the, the venue that they don't have to share with another event. Yeah. So they can get some flashy hall where they can have that sort of effect. Whereas with the paper mythic championships they're kind of tied to whatever convention center the gp is being held in at the same time when the magic fest is being held in so i kind of understand why they do it just for the arena ones but also i guess they're still kind of wanting to bring in viewers on twitch and other mm-hmm. esportsy people so they're 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 making a, a big deal of it it's like they do with the mythic invitational because i had this same yeah. thought of the mythic I- invitational that's that's what they're, they're trying to they're trying to sell arena as being the, the new big esports thing which is why I guess they're kind yeah. of throwing all the sparks and pyro and stuff like that in it. I think the smaller field really helps with that as well because you've got more when you've only got sixty four. It was around about that ballpark number of players. Yeah. When you've only got that many players, it's much easier at the player meeting to go. If you have a feature match, this is what's going to happen. This is how the pyro is going to work. This is how we want you to walk onto the stage. This is the direction we want you to take. Whereas when you've got two, three hundred players at a tabletop mythic invitational, it's more difficult to sort of sit them all down yeah. and do that. But I could, I could see in my mind's eye every time uh, Becca Scott or Day Nine or whoever was doing it, every time they were announcing the players onto the stage for the feature match, I could picture. Matt Tabak sitting at home going, <laughs> why did they not get me to do this? Because Matt Tabak loves r- professional wrestling about as much as I do. And I remember a couple of years ago, they had the World Championships, I think it was, at PAX um, during the, the Kaladesh reveal. Yeah. I think it was the Kaladesh reveal. Um, and 
they had the final of the World Championships on the, the big stage and Matt Tayback did his pro wrestling style intros for the the two competitors and I could see him just sitting at home going, Why are they not gonna be doing this? I'll do this for free. <laughs> I, I was watching it um as they kind of walk under this sort of arch of big shooty, sparky things in the ground and I was thinking, God, I really hope that um nobody's wearing any large amounts of hairspray or anything or hair yeah. product there was a feel like some of those esports sort of style shirts really don't look like the most fire safe they look kind of <laughs> kind of flammable they look yeah, a little, they really do. i was like i it made me a little bit kind of cringy i was like please don't i don't want anybody to sort of spontaneously catch fire as they're walking to their feature yeah. match while it would probably be quite an appropriate metaphor i, I don't want to see that no, I don't want to see anyone on fire. Like, the the way they had it set up, some of them were quite close to the chairs as well. Yeah. Like, I noticed right at the end, um, after the the last game of the finals finished, and they had all the pyro going off for the, the winner holding the trophy up, mm-hmm. um, Kai had obviously stepped back out of his chair and, and gone backstage to get out of the way. Um, but the way his chair had come back, it was right under <laughs> one of the one of the pyros, and I'm just like, Kai's chair's gonna go up. Kai's chair's <laughs> gonna go up. No, Kai, what have you done? It's a completely different definition of being in the hot seat. Yeah. <laughs> what else did you like about the Mythic Championship? I thought the field was relatively diverse. Yeah, which was good. I have a I have a something else that I noticed about that. So. Uh-huh. You know how um, when they announced the diversity invites for this and yeah. everybody had a big cry about it? Yeah. So some of the, the the more... I don't want to say having a cry because this is a valid point was that the Wizards had said they, were, they wanted to represent people that were from regions that were traditionally underrepresented, which yeah. is why they had like Jess Estefan in, who's from Australia. Obviously, you don't see an awful lot of... Australian pros on that sort of world mm-hmm. stage and a lot of people from uh, Latin America and South America were were saying you know well, well you know what about us because well they've got a couple of, of pros you know like Luis Sovato is from Argentina I think yeah and obviously PVDDR is from Brazil yeah but uh, there's a very I think the professor at the Tellurian College did a, did a did a video about this or wrote something about it. There's a, a, a huge magic community in South America, and they've yeah, produced massive. they've produced some of the best players in the world. Um, and actually, I was looking at Twitter earlier, and Willie Willie Adel, who's also Brazilian, was was talking about this. Um, and he says that you know in the, in the past two years there's been four Grand Prix in South America for the whole of South America mm-hmm. uh, the two RPTQs for the whole continent to qualify for Pro Tours but South America have also produced four Mythic Championship champions in the past two years and yeah. for the pa- both player of the years in the past couple of years as well have been Luis Salvato and PVDDR they're yeah, both, South, both American. South American so the the level of organised play supported by Wizards currently for a continent with such a huge magic community and that's producing 
some of the best and most recognisable pro players. There's a real sort of imbalance there. A massive imbalance. It's a huge imbalance. Yeah. And even like recently there was a... I can't remember the name of the YouTuber, but there was a YouTuber who was talking about preview cards and how the the sort of level of support and communication and, and quality of the cards and stuff that South American content creators got to spoil was sort of constantly overshadowed by the ones given to content creators from like the UK and the US. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of it highlights that level of... I guess they, they feel like they're being unfairly treated, and, and, and they are, if that's, that's the, the situation. But it's kind of nice to see... A, a South American player actually go on and win the whole thing, yeah. Because that was that was a huge a huge thing at the start was that we want the South American Magic player saying we want to be represented as well. It's you know where's where's our representation when we've been sort of ignored and passed over by Wizards. It's kind of nice to see an Argentinian player come out of. I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk about the the winner in a sec because he really has come out of. Not quite nowhere, but he. Uh, so the winner was uh, Matthias Leverato, Argentinian, yeah. playing Simic Nexus, which ironically is the deck that keeps just coming back. Just when you think it's gone. <laughs> just when you think it's gone. Every time it just, you think it's done. It just, you, every time you think you've got rid of it, you know, it, it comes back. I know I guaranteed on this podcast a few weeks ago that Simic Nexus was done. Nexus Effects Day had had come and gone and you were never going to see it again yeah. apparently apparently i just wasn't paying enough attention yeah basically it just keeps coming back so the, the matthias leverato has kind of stuck two fingers up i guess to wizards for not including any south american players in their diversity invites by going on and winning the entire mythic championship which seems pretty yeah, yeah, grinding through arena yeah. to get his qualification, yeah. and then going so on and winning the whole thing. So I was reading the esports yeah. thread about Matthias Levinato earlier, and he played in mm-hmm. paper a few years ago. Was good friends with players like Luis Savato. Went to one of the Mythic Championship, sold out of paper magic because he, you know, obviously if you're in South America, having to travel to to big events and grind like that, it's going to cost a lot of money when there's so few big events in your continent. So he was having to travel a lot. He was having to travel alone quite a lot because it's it's an expensive thing to do. So took some time away from the game, came back, qualified through Arena, turns up at the the Mythic Invitational, was kind of the underdog, I think, as as the the field kind of got smaller and smaller because he came into the top four from the losing bracket of the top 16. I'm trying to remember how the bracket system works. I think that's how it works. I, yeah. I, I think so. I, I think the bracket actually resets between day two and day sure. three. So but honestly, he was in I the sort of know. losing end of the bracket anyway because he must have lost. Being at double, uh, double elimination, he must have lost his first game. So he comes he comes into the top four mm-hmm. uh, from that and he's facing Shahar, uh, Kai, Buddha, Brad Nelson. So... He's kind of up against like probably like three of the best players in the history of the game. Yeah, like Shahar, multi-time world champion, Brad, probably the best standard mind in the last five ten years, and I'm not even going to start on Kai because we'll be here <laughs> all day. We really would be here all day. Kai, Kai would have sat next to me at 
GP Manchester in 2014. It's like my ultimate claim to fame. Nice. And I Did had you? no, I had no idea who he was because I didn't know a lot of pro players by that point, And one of my friends had to point him out to me after he'd left. Did you uh, become better at magic by osmosis? Um, maybe. I I did. It was my first GP main event, and I did horribly. So maybe he stole your power. Maybe that's why he's so good still after all these years, <laughs> and why I'm so awful despite <laughs> having played for like six years. Kai stole your power. That's yeah, it. He's that's, like that's a he's a magic skill vampire. That's exactly what it is. You're welcome. Yeah. But yeah, Matthias Leverato comes kind of from this underdog position and goes on to to win the whole thing and and take down the trophy, which I think is really cool. Yeah. So he's he's kind of he's he's kind of come on to to represent this typically underrepresented region and kind of just done it despite the fact that wizards seem to be largely ignoring the fact that there's this enormous community that they're not taking advantage of. Yeah. Which I think is pretty cool. The guy's obviously good at magic and I think I hate calling people underdogs when they're in that position because he worked his ass off to get there and underdog's a really nice narrative but honestly when you're up against the names he was up against. Underdog's probably right. But again, as I say, he worked his yeah. ass off to get there and deserves it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I wasn't watching the, the top four because I was out, but I, I gathered that. Did you watch did you watch the top four? I did, yeah. Did you? Well, no. I watched I watched um I watched all of the grand final. I watched bits of the top four yeah. leading up to it. But the game two of the grand final, I gather, was pretty spectacular. Yeah, yeah. He just it's like... uh, so it, it ends and basically he needs Nexus of Fate to uh, to win the game. Otherwise, Brad has him dead the yeah. next turn. And he's got two Wilderness Reclamations in play, so he starts the turn, draws his card for the turn, um, sorry, he starts the turn by putting a card from the top of his library into his graveyard with Search for his Kanta, because it's not a Nexus. Yeah. Transforms the Search, draws a card for his turn, uses Ascanta the Sunken Ruin, doesn't hit a Nexus. Uh-huh. Goes to his end step, untaps with the First Wilderness Reclamation, uses Ascanta, doesn't hit a Nexus... Untaps again, uses a scanta, doesn't hit a nexus, but does hit an opt. Uh-huh. Ca- casts the opt, scries to the bottom, and draws the nexus <laughs> off the last possible card that you could possibly see in the turn. Nice. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna draw the nexus, it's gonna win you the game. You want it to be the you you've got to do it in possible. style. Yeah, that's amazing. Like again, I was watching the video coverage. Oh, that was put up on Twitter of the moment that it happened, and it's just like Marshall Sutcliffe and Paul Sheehan going absolutely. Yeah, they went ape shit. <laughs> they went absolutely ape shit. I love games like that when it's it's just it must be so stressful for the people playing. Yeah. But when you're watching it, to to watch that sort of thing happen when the, the funny detention part was, is. The really funny part was that. Two players are obviously like 
headphone and sound cancelling your phones and like canned up to prevent them from hearing the commentators and the audience and so on. Yeah. When he drew the Nexus off the last card, the reaction was obviously so loud that Kai could hear it because you could see it in his face. He just started laughing and knew exactly what had happened. <laughs> nice. You say Kai, I assume you mean Brad Nelson. I mean Brad, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Brad. <laughs> you've, just, sorry, Brad. <laughs> you've just assumed that Kai is so good that he has, despite losing, he's, he a, he's in, in the, the final, final anyway. anyway. Yeah. yeah, good yeah. job. Uh, I have I have only one thing that I didn't like about Mythic Championship coverage. What was that? It was the fact that I know you're you're trying to you're trying to sell and and big up your nice online game Magic Wizards, but I really don't think you need to sell the sound effects quite to the extent that they were sold during the coverage. <laughs> <laughs> like, first of all. The the esports music, while kind of nice and atmospheric, generally it doesn't need to be at a volume that's completely going to overshadow the commentators. Like I can handle quite a decent amount of noise saturation before I start to get twitchy, but the the, the volume of the music compared to the commentary team at times was a little off putting. And what was even more off-putting was that the arena sound effects were obviously on, so you're trying to listen to the commentators talking about the match while the music's going on in the background. Yeah. But then at the same time, every time... And there's a lot of planeswalkers in in this tournament. Every time somebody activates Teferi, you you've get got Teferi saying his little voice line <laughs> yeah. while the commentators are trying to talk about it. Or you've got Narset saying something while the commentators are talking about it. Yep. And it's like, I really don't want to have to fight with my ears, as it were, to try and keep track of what the what the commentators are saying. Mm-hmm. It's worse, I think, during the time-shifted matches, mm-hmm. because I, I seem to remember that while the time-shifted matches were on, there was sort of generic esports music playing in the background, but it wasn't nice, atmospheric esports music. It was, it was loud enough that it actively made listening to the commentary quite difficult. Yeah. That's my one not good comment. My one complaint is that it seemed from when I was watching that every time they cut back to the news desk, the audio desynced. Yes, actually that's true. Like the when they when they went went back from the news desk to the commentators, it was fine. Or when they cut to a video package, it was fine. But they went back to the news desk and the audio just desynced. And it yeah. happened all the time. Yeah, I noticed that. I think after about sort of the first day, um, I wasn't I wasn't like rapidly watching it. I think I was I was doing other stuff as well, but every time I, I kinda looked up and it was it was like the, at the desks. Mm-hmm. Even actually it wasn't just at the desks, it was um it was the you know that little sort of ident bits they had where they had all the MPL members. Yeah. They had a little rolling segment, little 30 seconds of uh, MPL players talking about their sort of magic journey. Mm-hmm. Those started to be out of sync as well. Yeah. I remember looking up and being really confused by the fact that Brad's, Brad Nelson's mouth wasn't matching Brad Nelson's words. Yeah. And it threw me a little bit. But then as soon as they cut to the commentators, it was fine. Yeah. Which, yeah, it was just annoying. So basically, what the conclusions that we've we've reached here are everything was great 
but the audio needs work. Yeah. Which, as people that host and edit a podcast, we're obviously complete experts in. <laughs> <laughs> Call me, wizards. We'll sort you out, don't worry. Kirsty, that's a really nice judge booth you've got there. I'm glad you've noticed. It took it took several minutes to construct. It would be a shame if someone was to have a Tibalt Rager in it. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> my judge booth! <laughs> Please, my judge booth! <laughs> Do I need to dust your judge booth? Please dust my judge booth. <laughs> I will dust your judge booth with rage. Okay. Because we. Okay. Right. What's what's pissed you off this week, Casey? What Let what's me just pissed me off? myself in my chair. What's pissed me off is something that we're going to talk about in your judge booth, but I, I wanted to rage about it first. And okay. It's, it's a nice segue from talking about the Mythic Championship coverage as well, because it was about a segment that was on the Mythic Championship coverage. And if you follow me on Twitter at Purple Snap, by the way, not at it's plug, not at marble statues are real don't know who that is um if you follow me on twitter you will have seen my rage already and will know what i'm about to talk about but there was a segment featuring simon gertson and day nine and another pro player who i forget off the top of my head about shuffling tips and the shuffling tips that they were giving were how to shuffle your deck and here's how you shuffle your deck. You're going to pile it out into lots of piles, and then you're going to put piles on top of each other, and there you are. You're done. And Day 9 in his part in this segment even goes as far, while he's putting all his cards into individual piles, to look at one of them, note that it's a mountain, put it on top of one of the piles, stack all his piles together and go... You've never seen a deck more shuffled than that. Now, Day9, I love you. You're great on coverage, on being the host. But if you do that at a tournament and present that deck as the most shuffled deck I've ever seen, I'm disqualifying (laughs) you, my friend. Because that is quite possibly the least shuffled deck I've ever seen. And this segment was repeated multiple times. And posted on Twitter. And posted on Twitter, like, separately by the Magic Esports account. As as an example, a shining example of how to shuffle your deck. And it was the biggest pile of bollocks. Because <laughs> one of the players... You should always present a well-shuffled pile of bollocks to your opponent, by the way, before the start of a round. Definitely. But one of the players drops the cards into the piles so quickly I have trouble believing that they've counted 60 cards there. Because all they're doing is just dropping the cards really, really quickly. It was almost like a race as to how quickly they could drop these cards into piles. Which doesn't count the deck. And that's what you're doing when you pile count. Because that's what it is. It's a count. It's not a shuffle. Your your count's supposed to be counting the deck. So you've got one player who's Counting so or dropping the cards so quickly they're barely counting. And then you're presenting this whole segment as an amazing way to shuffle your deck. And it doesn't do that either. Fucking stop showing it. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> you were 
you were pretty angry when I uh, messaged you on Sunday to ask why you were <laughs> why you were so angry because yeah. I hadn't seen it. Was it Sunday or Saturday actually? Because I think I, I went I disappeared and stopped watching coverage for a bit, and I came back and just found you absolutely. Uh, is incand- incandescent? Incandescent, is that the word I'm yeah. Because that I think makes it, it for some reason that makes it sound weird. Like I know that's the right word, but it does make it sound a little bit like you're a candle. I'm a candle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. I shine bright in the darkness. Shit yes. like that. Poetic shit. You're poetic, <laughs> me. Do you smell nice if I set fire to you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, at least if. If, if you qualify for the Mythic Championship and get a feature match and you're accidentally set ablaze by the pyro... At least it'll smell gonna... vanilla and sandalwood. <laughs> That's going to smell great. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so let's talk about pile shuffling. This is Let's come at my judge booth now. Have you yeah. expelled all your rage? I have expelled all my rage. It's, it's okay, blown so... me clear across the room, <laughs> but it's expelled now. <laughs> I have this vision of you like on Heelys. <laughs> <laughs> Is shooting across an event hall. Judges should have Heelys. Can you imagine how efficient that would be? Um, there's a picture somewhere of former judge Kim Warren at, I believe it was a Grand Prix Vegas from a few years ago, uh, where they are pictured on a Segway to get around nice. the event hall. Um, nice. I don't know if they actually used the Segway to get around the event hall, but there's definitely photographs exist. I'm going to choose to believe that they did. Yeah, me too. So, pile shuffling. Yes. Uh, pile shuffling. Pile, pile counting, to use sure, technical let's terms. Sure, we'll use the technical We'll not call it pile shuffling, because it's not pile shuffling. Yeah. So, well, actually, let's start with that. Why is pile shuffling not counted as, in, as sufficient randomization? Because theoretically, you're taking, you're making uh, six different or four different piles if you're playing limited, or you're making six different piles, and then you're shuffling, or you're kind of putting them all back together. So, from looking at it, you would you would think that that was, you know, kind of splitting your deck up and then putting it back together again, which in theory does sound like randomization. In in theory, yeah. So why is why is pile counting or I put this in quotes pile shuffling insufficient randomization? Because it it's not actually any form of randomization whatsoever. Let's uh let's take the extreme case and say you know the location of every card in your deck. Sure. Uh, maybe you've just finished writing out your deck list, so your deck's in order. You know the location of every card in your deck. Yeah. If you perform a pile count, let's go with a, a standard one of six piles. So you're going to end up with six piles of ten cards if you're playing Constructed. Um, and then you put all six piles one on top of the other, so you've got a nice big stack of 60 cards. You can work out the location of every, every card in that deck. If, if you knew where they all started, and you knew how you dealt them out, you can work out the location of every card. Now, you might not be mentally capable of doing so, because that's a really bloody difficult thing to do, but yep. in theory, you could do it. And that's the extreme case. The less extreme case is you know the location of one card. Yeah. And let's say it's a limited deck. So it's a 40-card deck and you know where your bomb is. You do your pile count. It's much easier to keep track of the location of one card within that pile count than it is all 40 or all 60. So you start your count. You finish your count. You pile everything up. You still know exactly where that one card is. 
And that is not any form of randomization whatsoever. Yeah. And I suppose like if people use the argument of I I can't I can't I don't know where you know, if the location of every card in my deck because I'm I'm not good enough at maths or brains or problem solving or whatever to to do that. The fact that you potentially can Yeah. Is enough. The fact that you potentially can is enough. And the fact that if you know what the top card of your deck is, yeah. then it's really easy to track that because that's going to be the first card you put down. You know it is the bottom card of the first pile you started. So when you finish stacking those piles up, you could know that, for example, that card is now seven cards down in your deck because there were seven cards in the first pile and you put that first pile on the top. Yeah. Which means you're drawing it in your opening hand. So there's another reason that um, pile shuffling uh, isn't generally accepted as a reasonable form of shuffling. And it's because, especially when... I think this this conversation first sort of came up um, around the time of Battle for Zendikar standard. No, it wasn't Battle for Zendikar, I'm fully nonsense. It was uh, Cans of Tarkir. That was the set the Fetchlands winner, wasn't it? Yeah. So this, it, I remember it coming up around to the time that Fetchlands were in standard, because obviously when you've got Fetchlands in standard, you're spending an awful lot of time shuffling your deck. Yep. And if you crack a Fetchland, and then you look for the whatever land you want to get, and you put it on the battlefield, and then you shuffle by pile shuffling, it takes a hell of a long time. Yeah. Like a really hell does. of a long time to put to count 60 cards out into, into little piles, and then kind of put them all together. Um. So that it was, it was like the rules changed around that time to prevent that. And the, uh, what, did the, what, did the, what did the rules say now? You're allowed to pile shuffle once per. Is it once per match? Once per game, sorry, I think at the it's start. Once per game. Yeah. yeah, you can pile shuffle once per game at the start to count the cards in your deck before you present it to your opponent, which I would recommend doing as a judge because I, I have a, a history of accidentally leaving a card in my sideboard from my main deck when I'm sideboarding and presenting it to my opponent and them realising and calling a judge. So I would recommend before you start your game, do one pile count where you you know count them out into piles of six and make sure you've got 60 there. Mm-hmm. But then after you've done that, pile, pile shuffled in quotes again, you have to shuffle your deck enough that it's not considered to be sufficiently randomised. Like the way you would shuffle after you've got you've cracked a fetch or whatever. Yeah. Sort of standard normal mash mash shuffling it called? Yeah, a mash shuffle or yeah. a, an overhand or ripple yeah. or whatever. So yeah. You have to do that to make sure that it's actually sufficiently randomised after you've done that. Yeah. And like like you say, counting the deck if you're using the pile count as a count, absolutely, I wholeheartedly recommend counting your deck. You you should do that before you present your deck to your opponent. And in theory, you should count your opponent's deck as well to verify that they've presented a legal deck to you. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily recommend pile counting your opponent's deck because that takes longer than just simply counting it. But if you want to do that, go ahead. But... Yeah, it's don't consider it a shuffle. You're still required to shuffle the deck thoroughly. Correct. So don't listen to day nine is the takeaway here. 
when he tells you that that's that's a, a, a entirely shuffled deck because yeah. it's not. It's not. And nine times out of ten, if you do that and then present it to your opponent, they're going to call a judge, and you're going to at the very least get a warning for insufficient. Shuffling. Insufficient shuffling. Yeah, it used to be insufficient randomization. It's now insufficient shuffling. Make it easier. Well, it's more that uh, random is a kind of a, a binary state. A deck's either random or it's not. You can't be a bit random but not random enough. <laughs> well, <laughs> how, what a deeply personal attack. Yeah. I've got a, a, a special Mythic Championship themed edition of Shout or Delight for you, Casey. That sounds wonderful. Mythic. Mythic. Absolutely mythic. Totes mythic. Okay, are you ready? Is it not just mythic, but in fact mythic? <laughs> what? Mythic. Is it is it thick, is what I'm asking. Um, It's like medium thick. Okay. I'm imagining the face that you're making while you're kind of going, meh, thick. The meh is just there because it's in mythic. Okay. okay. And I didn't want to say, is it my thick? Because that'll make me feel <laughs> bad about my thighs and I don't want that. <laughs> well, just cover their little thigh ears before you say it. Yeah. But everyone's thighs have ears, right? It's not, yes. It's not just me. Why do you think Why do you think I clamp my legs together when I'm telling secrets? <laughs> I'd always wondered. <laughs> okay, are you ready to rate some stuff? I am ready. Mythic Championship fashion. Delight. Related. Simon Gertson's shirts. Absolute delight. <laughs> Matthias Leverato. Delight. Total delight. Pyro at the Mythic Championship. Shite. Could have been better. <laughs> really? Yeah. What would you have done? Explosions. I just... Say, like, the pros have to jump through an entire flaming hoop before they want, arrive at their seats. I want wrestling style pyro. I want them to come out like fucking Goldberg or Booker T. I like don't... flames jumping up everywhere. I don't watch wrestling. So I can only imagine what you're referring to. Are we talking like, you know, like total entire stages engulfed in flames and they're dropped down from the ceiling? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, right. Although... I, that yeah, that would that would that sounds desperately unsafe, but it would be amazing. Nah, it'll be fine. Okay, trust so me. You don't you don't like pyro at the MC. What about setting Kybera's chain on fire? Oh shite! Absolute shite. <laughs> Pile shuffling. Shite! Total Pi- shite! More shite than anything else. <laughs> Pile shuffling on Mythic Championship coverage. Okay, that's more shite than anything else. <laughs> Maria Bartholdi saying, let's talk about some of the challengers and enlisting every single woman in the event. Delight. <laughs> it was so good. Um, you and I doing audio for the next Mythic Championship. Absolute delight. We should co-stream it. <laughs> oh my God, we really should. <laughs> do, you, do you want to? <laughs> yes. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, the, the pool party Athena Froelich posted photos of on Twitter. Total delight. I'm never more jealous of a party. Yeah. Holy shit. Casey, if people want to send you photos of their own fashion choices and make you and I insanely jealous, where can they do that? They can do that by sending it to me on Twitter, at PurpleSnap, or they could alternatively email us at scourge.divas at gmail.com. 
or they could find us on the Scourge Divas Twitter, which is at Scourge Divas. Or I don't know who runs this Twitter account, but if you <laughs> wanted to send them to at MRBL Statues Real, uh, which is a Twitter account dedicated to proving that marble statues are in fact real, then they could send them there as well. I hate that one thing that I've said on this damn podcast that sounded completely right in my head, and it was only when you laughed at me and told me how wrong I was. I hate that that's my legacy now. (laughs) (laughs) Our marble statue's real. Oh, God. Okay, if you want to um, back me up in this tirade of bullying that I'm sustaining on social media, uh, you can... Follow me at Hayworth Artist on Twitter and Hayworth Artist on Instagram, or send me things at the Scourge Divas Twitter or Gmail address as well. And I believe, in in even more exciting news, that we have a Twitch account now. We do. It's um uh, 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 I can speak words. <laughs> you can trust me on this. It is Scourge underscore Divas. And I'm going to be hopefully testing the stream out later this evening. So that will have happened by the time you are listening to this. Excellent. And so hopefully we'll be actually streaming Case, some Casey's going to be streaming some Magic Arena. Yeah. For your eyes and ears to enjoy. Maybe some other video games as well. Maybe some other I video do enjoy games. other video games. I mean, you can't let other people know that we have hobbies outside of Magic. Listen. Listen. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Because you know it's true. I have hobbies outside of magic. I mean, one of my hobbies, my hobbies outside of magic include eating and sleeping, neither of which I think anybody wants to see me stream. And taking photos of your moronic cat. And taking photos of my stupid cat, yeah. I mean, I would live stream my cat, but one of them doesn't move and one of them moves too much, so. Yeah. That's fair. I do post photos of my moronic cat on my own personal Twitter account and occasionally the Scourge Divas Twitter account. If anybody, if anybody really wants to see a stupid cat, feel he's free delightful to, though. He's a he's such a pest. But feel free to follow us and see that. Um, by the time you listen to this episode, hopefully we'll be on on Twitch streaming there as well. So do tune in and watch Casey and uh, validate our branch into streaming. Yeah, validate would... my choices of playing only Is It Phoenix because that's the only cards I own on Arena. I mean, that's that's fair. I was in the Mythic yeah. Championship, so yeah, excellent. Exactly. We will uh, see you next week. Bye!